You know what time it is. It's time for the Shells Law Podcast. We are in season preview mode. You know who I am and what I do. Rob Shaw, a.k.a. The Pod God, a.k.a. Harry Potter. And I'm joined by Brooklyn Nets insider, aficionado, super fan, Nick Fay of OTB Basketball. Rob, how we doing? I'm excited. You hit me up to do the preview again this year. I must have done something right last year. Always happy to talk Nets. Looking forward to it. Oh, man. I'm so excited. That's so uh, these are normally pretty formulaic, but like not every team has Kyrie Irving. So yeah. if you want to get into today is Sunday, the 26th, and Kyrie brought us news Saturday, the 25th. You want to get into that? Yeah, we can jump into it. Obviously, there was a report released by Matt Sullivan talking about uh, anti vaxxers in terms of the NBA. And there's uh, three teams that are essentially required to get the vaccine because of where they play. That's the New York Knicks, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Golden State Warriors. And obviously, the report Matt Sullivan pointed out that Kyrie was a guy that was against the vaccine, was looking to talk to the NBA. You know, a lot of conspiracy theories mentioned in there as well. Um, Not great. Sean Marks recently had a uh, press conference, though, and did mention that he felt very confident that all Nets players would be vaccinated by opening night. So we'll kind of see what happens with that. It kind of stinks that we're recording on Sunday because tomorrow is Nets media day and we should get a lot more information in regards to Kyrie Irving. I mean, I'm sure they're going to kind of push at it, but also there's been some reports that no player that's not vaccinated will be allowed at media day. So if Kyrie's not there, that'll be kind of confirmation. There were some other, you know, fans out there looking at, you know, Kyrie was at an LA Sparks game sitting courtside. Do you have to be vaccinated for that? You know, that type of thing. But Rob, as an NBA fan, what's your viewpoint on this? All right. So first things first, this, this does not state my vaccine stances, mm-hmm. but if there was any player, like, what do you think Vegas had the odds on yeah. that Kyrie would be an anti-vaxxer? Uh, I think it would be pretty high. I think him and Jonathan Isaac would probably be at the top of the list. And there were two guys mentioned the article. So um, I'm sure there's, I think they said there's like 50 to 60 guys, but I wouldn't looking for um, a religious uh, pass, I guess. uh, Yep. And he was denied. So (laughs) the NBA was like, Nope, don't see that. So, I mean, I think Kyrie's most likely to be the biggest quote unquote star mentioned in terms of this. So he's obviously going to get the most attention. And like you kind of mentioned before we're talking and hops on, like, previous things from the past conspiracy theory wise and just kind of his mindset made you to believe it could be a possibility and like you know Nets fans were hoping that you know maybe it wouldn't be the case but it looks like it is we obviously don't have a hundred percent confirmation but all signs are pointing to that so uh back to your question about where do I stand I I'm fully vaccinated yep um it's a choice I made uh a little bit based on the age of my father who uh, he'll, he'll be 80 in November. Yep. And based on what I do for my real job, I work with uh, people with compromised immune systems Yep. as the manager of the home. I thought I needed to set an example, whether or not the vaccine is truly my belief. I thought setting an example for my staff may help my individuals. Yep. Um, as far as the NBA, I guess it's, my stance is I understand why people don't want to get the vaccine, 
but this is something where you're interacting with a lot of people in close proximity and it doesn't take much for this to spread if we have large groups of unvaccinated people meeting, especially at a basketball game because player X is unvaccinated and player Y is unvaccinated. One of them has the virus and passes it on and they may pass it on to a fan that has courtside seats. And then that court, that fan with courtside seats is leaving through the general public exit. And now he can intermingle with thousands of people. He touches a person that touches a person, especially in a city like New York where it's a commuter city and it's a lot of public subways are tight. (laughs) So now you, you got it at the game, but you pass it on to somebody that wasn't at the game. They just happen to be on the same subway stop as you. And then, and boom, where that's just one instance. So I get why the league would want their players vaccinated on top of just keeping them safe. Yep. A hundred percent. And I mean, you also, just from a league perspective, they don't want to see a team go down because they, you know, have COVID. And obviously if you're vaccinated, you can still contract the virus. It's not like it's impossible. So, you know, next thing you know, it becomes the playoffs. And now X team has seven players out and they have to forfeit the game. And then, you know, a lesser team is advancing or something like that. I think the NBA wants it as competitive as possible. They want their stars to play as much as possible. And they also want to look good. Like, you know, obviously it's the right thing to do probably to get vaccinated, make sure everyone's okay, but they want to, look good in the limelight. You know what I mean? They've done a good job in the past of kind of setting the example for some of the other leagues. So it made sense that the NBA was going to go this route. No, that makes a ton of sense. And basically what you said is Adam Silver's PR team has been great since he stepped in office. And like, that's true. They've had a couple of hiccups. Um, I thought last year's all-star game was a hiccup. Yeah. Everything went fine, but just like coaches say you can't be result-based in shot opportunities, you can't be result-based in this. Like, yes, everything went fine, but the potential for something to go wrong yep. was huge, especially because I was in Atlanta uh, before the All-Star game for a weekend. That place was the wild, wild west. Yeah. And that was without NBA stars and the and it being the entertainment capital of the world for five days. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, there definitely have been things, but I think for the most part, they've done a pretty good job, like you said. And then this is something big. You know, there were some question marks definitely about the bubble, but it ended up being pretty solid in terms of safety of the players, of the staff and the coaches and things like that. So we'll kind of see how it goes this season. It's kind of, you know, new territory. You know, obviously last year was a little bit different because there was no fans. Now we're going to have fans in most games. So like you said, kind of taking those extra steps of safety because you don't want the reason that a city's COVID numbers go up is that it's a super spreader game. You know what I mean? It's literally a basketball game just became a super spreader for an entire you know section of a city. That's not a good look for this. Anybody, you know, the NBA, the team, the player, whoever it is. So definitely want to take as many precautions as you can. So in my brain, like I'm a super nerd, like a real life <laughs> nerd. Like I was a nerd before it was like, cool. <laughs> In my brain, like Adam Silver's nightmare is just uh, that scene in the dark night where they're at the Gotham football game. Yep. And, like it's like a COVID version of that. Like that is what Adam Silver just, he just can't sleep him, Roger Goodell. Yep. They're just like, this is worst case scenario where like, th- like you said, the numbers spike and 
ESPN and CNN are both opening with an NBA story yep. calling the game. Game X was a super spreader. Yep. Exactly. Is, league commissioners and PR people just like they just see that scene on like Gotham uh, Dark Knights playing on like TNT and they're just like yo cut this shit off I don't even know why they would have this scene especially before we're playing tonight it's like it's running on TNT before the matchups of the night it's oh like nah God, yeah, they're playing it before TNT Thursday yeah and Adam Silver's just on the phone with Turner like you guys are kidding right cut this off yeah no for real I mean obviously it's going to be something that we probably talk about all year long just because it's not going to go away anytime soon. All right. So this year's Nets, last year they went 48 and 24 for a 667 winning percentage. That's really yep. good considering Harden missed a chunk of time. Like Harden, who has been a career fat Iron Man, like yep. he just doesn't miss time. Um, Kyrie, shout out to him as one of the first professional athletes to use PTO. Like he was just like, yo, my paid time off. Um, Durant missed um, a stretch. Like their big three didn't play together. Well, I guess that was the theme of the season. Like when they were yep. all together, they looked like, hey, call the Justice League or the Avengers. <laughs> That's the only ones that could stop them. But it was a tough time getting them all together for significant stretches. Yep. I mean, it's spot on right there. Obviously, you have Kevin Durant coming off the torn Achilles. So between that, the Nets resting him. He had tested positive for COVID a couple of times, had some close contact, had a missed time. Because of that, there was the weird incident in the Raptors game where he came off the bench and they pulled him from the game later on because of, you know, a positive test of somebody else. Like you mentioned, James Harden only played 36 games for the Nets last year, missed a lot of time for that hamstring injury, ended up re-aggravating it in the postseason. Kyrie out of the bunch played the most games, which is somewhat surprising at 54. And a couple of those were missed too, because of, like you said, you know, took time off for his mental health, dealing with some family stuff. And then also missed time because of just resting on back to back. So that's, that's the biggest thing for the Nets. I think, you know, I could end this podcast right now. And the one thing to take away is if the Nets are healthy, you know, they're the best team in the NBA. If they're not healthy, it's going to be an issue. And last year we saw them even without James Harden healthy, really do some things to the Milwaukee Bucks. But then when Kyrie Irving went down, that's when things really changed. So health is the number one thing for this team, regular season, postseason, whatever it is, you just want to maintain the health of this team so you can be 100% when the games really matter. All right, so the big additions, um, well, not all these are big, but they're additions. <laughs> um, DeAndre Brembry, um, De'Ron Sharp, a rebounding machine. Yep. Um, Cam Thomas, a scoring machine. I hope we get to talk about him a little bit. I'm so excited for him. Um, James Johnson, um, Paul Millsap, Patty Mills, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Sekou from Detroit, who spent a lot of time in the G League. Yep. And our subtractions, they're at least the notable ones. We got one more addition, uh, uh, Javon Carter. Oh, I, I didn't notice that, and I actually really do like Javon Carter. Yep. Uh I think I'd still prefer Mike James, but that might be because I have like a big Mike James soft spot. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, I was known as the Mike James hater on the Nets podcast. Were not because, really? I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't hate Mike James or anything like that. I just would point out the flaws in his game. He's a good player, but I think his skill set is very 
um, specific, you know what I mean? He'll come off the bench and he can score the basketball. And if he's not scoring, it might be a rough showing for him because he does take shots like he is Kyrie Irving and James Harden and Kevin Durant. But obviously he's not that guy. There are some moments that he popped off in the playoffs, but then there was other times where I was just like, if they even just had an average backup point guard, they'd probably be in better shape. I think Mike James is not perfect for the net situation, but for another team that needs more of a scoring punch, he would make sense. No, that's that's perfectly fair. Um, so what I liked about him for the Nets was like the roster's very, very top heavy. But yep. when you're missing one of those elite scores, I did think Mike James was somebody who, whether he was efficient or not, he wasn't going to be scared to take shots. Yep. And when you are missing a James Harden and a Kyrie Irving, sometimes you do need that bench pop. But I think he could be better for somebody else. And Maybe I think- bigger, a better in like a smaller role. Like, I'll be honest, like you don't want to play Mike James necessarily in big playoff moments against a top team. If you play him in the first round, you could live with that. But like second round against Milwaukee Bucks, you kind of saw why he's Mike James. Well, I think you, I think we're saying the same thing, because I yeah. was going to say in a smaller role, like he'd be better if the Nets were a little bit more stable and it's a slow night for everybody and you break glass in yep. case of emergency. Yep. And they did that in game one when James Harden went down and he played really well and he had a great game. And then game two, we had some good moments. And after that, it was kind of like, all right, the Bucks are like, this is Mike James. We can kind of bait him into a bad shot. But like you said, the scoring is there. He has some pop. It's just kind of the efficiency doesn't match. Yeah, he might. He needs a role with a different team yep. or he needs the Nets to be more stable roster wise. And hey, you know, when Mike James is in, he's in the score. And if he can get rolling um nash can roll with him for long stretches but if he can't get it going hey he high risk high reward like hey if he pops off tonight awesome but if he doesn't throw patty mills back in yep yep um subtractions that were i found notable were jeff green and deandre jordan even though like i think DeAndre Jordan is addition by subtraction. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing in my head. I just didn't want to say it. <laughs> no, no, like, no, talk, talk your shit. Let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. I, I worry about the center rotation now, and maybe you can fill me in on how you think that's going to go. But DeAndre Jordan had what I like to call NBA social cachet. Like, yep. he was important around the locker room. He was a guy that benching him or cutting him out of the rotation, even though everybody could see it might have implications in the locker room that you can't that you can't quantify directly on the court but if he's not on the team he's not on the team yeah I mean he didn't play a minute of uh, playoff basketball last year he didn't play in the Celtic series he didn't play in the Buck series we talked about all the injuries the Nets had going into that Buck series you know Kyrie went down James Harden went down even Jeff Green was dealing with some stuff and they were getting killed on the boards and Deandre, obviously seven footer. They didn't want to go to him. I think that really says something. And they tried to work with him all season long to kind of push him to a point where he could excel. You know, Steve Nash talked to him on the sidelines a lot. You saw James Harden kind of get into it with him a little bit. And it just, he just wasn't there. You know, he lost some of the athletic pop, but I think the biggest question mark for a lot of Nets fans and, you know, NBA fans was just like the effort level's not there. You know what I mean? He can make plays, but not consistently. You'd see a stretch would be like, wow, he's still pretty good. And then the next couple of minutes, he just wouldn't do anything. And I'd say one thing that he doesn't have anymore is just that double jump. You know, you come down from a jump and they can spring back up. Zion, obviously one of the best players in the league at that. But DeAndre kind of as soon as he jumps and lands, he's stuck in the mud. And 
in the way that the Nets play defense and what they're asking him to do, that was just always a problem because he might contest a shot, but then he's nowhere to be found for the rebound. And obviously it's a lot of pressure in this net system that plays small a good, a good amount of the time. But DeAndre was supposed to be that guy. He only had spurts of it during the Nets tenure. And I think they went with other options at center that, you know, maybe they could do the same thing DeAndre did defensively and then still give you more offensively because he just wasn't playing at a high level. So I think, I don't even think it's an effort thing with DeAndre Jordan. I think some players, when your game is based so much on athleticism, yeah, and like it's just, he just has a game that is going to age poorly. Yep. He, I think, if I were DeAndre Jordan, I was serious about this second leg or third leg of my career. I would ask for all the Tyson Chandler uh, Dallas Mavericks film they could find. Yeah, I think losing weight would be something for him that would really help. Not well, that I think he's overweight, but just getting like no, leaner. Big and Jack Lean might help him. Yep. But what do you think of the center rotation? Oh, I mean, um, I personally enjoy the center rotation more this year. You know, it's going to obviously not be your traditional center rotation. It's going to be more so, you know, we're going to play some power forwards at center essentially. But LaMarcus Aldridge coming back is pretty big for the Nets because he essentially gives you all the things that DeAndre was supposed to do at this lesser form. You know, obviously he's not as athletic, but you're playing drop coverage. You have that true center size. You have somebody who can rebound now also gives you more offensive pop. Blake Griffin played a lot of center for them last year. Obviously Blake's not a great shot blocker, but he does fit the switching scheme, had a really nice series against Giannis as good as you really can have. Um, also just kind of takes those charges, bring some tenacity. You got Paul Millsap in there, who I don't think is really going to play much power forward for the Nets. It'd be more of a small ball five thing for him. And then the real big question mark for the Nets this year in terms of like a guy that could truly pop off and maybe take them to another level would be Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton, obviously, he's a little lean for center, but in this NBA, I think you can get away with it. His switchability is elite. Like he's one of the best switching bigs in the NBA. It's more so, hey, can you improve your post defense? Can you be more consistent on the boards? Can you bring some offensive pop to this game? Because in terms of what you need in that closing fourth quarter of a playoff game in a center, especially when you're playing like an elite guard or a team with a lot of playmakers, having that guy that can switch on to, you know, a Dame Lillard or a CJ McCollum or a Jason Tatum or somebody out in the perimeter, that that's huge. And that could really, you know, slow down a lot of offenses because now you're running the pick and roll where you're looking to get an advantage. You're not getting that advantage because Nick Claxton is kind of stunting that right there. And now all of a sudden you're just like, Oh, now we're kind of slowed down. And that's a couple seconds off the shot clock might be able to force you into a bad ISO situation. So for me, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, you know, great veterans, good to have on this team. They're not really going to be asked to do a ton. Claxton's the guy I'm looking at that could really be a game changer because he has elite defensive potential. And you can't say that about many other nets. So one of my questions is always, who do we think is going to pop? And you just answered that with, you yep. think Nick, Clax Nick Claxton has a nice chance to pop? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I can't guarantee it, but if there's one guy in this team that has potential to take his game, you know, multiple tiers higher, it would be that guy because we saw glimpses. And I even thought maybe Steve Nash could have played him a little bit more in the postseason. Obviously, you trust your vets, but Clax just has that it factor. Are there any guys from the additions that you're super excited about? I've probably all of them. No, um, I think I'm super excited for Patty Mills. You know, I think he's a guy that gives you 
great insurance for your superstars. You know, obviously we have this, all of this talk about Kyrie Irving possibly missing time. Now you have a solid option to bring in if there is an issue with him. Is he injured or whatever it might be? Not that Patty Mills is an all-star, but he's a good six man in the NBA. Can shoot the basketball, can play, make a little bit feisty defensively. So Patty Mills signing was great insurance and gives that bench some real scoring pop. Like you kind of mentioned earlier, you know, at times last year, it wasn't super stable. Patty Mills will give you nice stability in that department. And I think he complements a lot of the other star players really well because he can play off ball. So I was happy about that. And then also the fact is the Warriors and the Lakers were the other top two contenders looking for Patty Mills. The fact that the Nets were able to take that him away from them is also just kind of a boost that you don't have to worry about facing him in a playoff series. They're going to have to worry about dealing with him. So Patty's a guy that I'm really excited about being on the team. Um, I'm happy to see LaMarcus Aldridge back. You know, I thought he was really good for the Nets in the limited amount of games that he had. He had one bad game, but that's when his heart issue was acting up. And I think he adds another element to the offense because of his post game and that mid range game and just the in between just a really, really talented offensive player. Um, Paul Millsap, just a really steady vet that can just give you another element, another tool in the bag to throw at teams. Um, your guy that you mentioned earlier, Cam Thomas was super fun to watch in summer league, just really went off and just has a ton in his bag. The thing with Cam Thomas though, is I'm just not sure how much he's going to be able to get minutes on this team. I think his best bet to playing is going to be nights where, Hey, we're going to rest Kyrie and James Harden. We're going to need someone to score 20. Cam Thomas might be that guy. He might have these really big highlight nights, but he might not have that consistent role. And then just touch on the other guys, James Johnson kind of gives you that another asshole on the team, just someone who's going to be an enforcer. No, 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 not no. going to really asshole. Yeah. My favorite James Johnson thing. Everybody that listens to me is going to be like, Oh, he's going to say the same thing. He always says about James Johnson. James Johnson is there for when you have an antagonizer, like a Pat Beverly or Markeith Morris. Yep. Push one of those quiet stars, like a James Harden or Kevin Durant will talk back, but like that's, James Johnson is a 6'9 black belt that they call blood sport. He <laughs> is there to kick your fucking head off the second yeah. you get crazy. That's why Dallas brought him in because in the Clippers season, uh, the Clippers Mav series in the bubble, the Clippers just tried to bully Luca. And you don't do that with James Johnson. At one point last year, um, Kobe and uh, Caleb Martin, the Martin twins, one of them got into it with James Johnson and they're twins. They're brothers They're You have to go ride out for your brother. Well, the one that's mouthing off to him is mouthing off. And the other brother has this look of pure disgust. Like, <laughs> Oh my God, I can't believe this is who we got to go argue with. Yeah. And like, I feel like that is the sentiment around the league. Like, Hey, we know who to play tough with and who not to. And James Johnson is a let's not play type of dude. Yeah, 100 percent. And I mean, like you said, it's somebody even in that Bucks net series where you had P.J. Tucker kind of riding Kevin Durant, somebody who can go set a hard screen, give a hard foul, whatever it is, and just make sure that the Nets aren't taking shit. And he provides a nice body type that they don't really have. You know, one of those bigger wings that maybe you could throw on a LeBron James for a couple of minutes, not that he's going to lock him down, but just that level of physicality is something you don't want to deal with. And I think offensively, he should have some OK moments with the Nets. Him and Paul Millsap, I'm unsure about their roles just because they're, you know, similar body types. They have some similar skill sets in some ways, different others. So it's going to be interesting. Now a team.
team last year where you had limited players that you could play in the playoffs or players that you could count on, you have a, almost a surplus to an extent where you're trying to find out where you can get these guys minutes. And, you know, this isn't a TLC and Alizé Johnson, somebody who doesn't have, you know, NBA experience and ready for a playoff game. And I thought that was one of the real big, good jobs from Sean Marks this offseason, just making sure, you know, the Nets weren't going to get incredibly better from signing big free agents because they didn't have cap space. Patty Mills was about as good as they could do, but making sure they added good NBA vets to the rest of the roster was what they needed to do. And they did it. Um, I agree with all that, like that. I do think the Jeff green uh, losing him in free agency will hurt a little bit. Yep. And as far as Cam Thomas, I think, I think him and Patty Mills are, you get the Woj or Shams update saying, hey, the Nets are resting the big three. I think those guys are immediately go to DraftKings and stash, start them in your yep. daily lineup type of guys, yep. particularly Patty Mills. Yep. I think, and also he's a really good fit in the Nets culture as well because of the Spurs ties. Sean Marks from San Antonio, Diago Splitter on staff. Also, a couple other Spurs guys in the front office. So I think the fit's going to be seamless. Him and Kevin Durant were vibing at the Olympics as well. And he just kind of understands how to play basketball. And I think the net scheme, especially offensively, is really enticing and fun to a lot of players. Like, they're going to score a ton of points. They're going to shoot a ton of threes. You're going to have the ball passed to you by some elite players. You're going to probably play with the best spacing you ever played with in your entire career. And then Cam Thomas... His NBA career hasn't started and I'm already like looking at his second team <laughs> just because I think like he's going to be under the, and there's different ways this could happen. Like the Nets could wind up blowing it up or maybe by the time he's getting ready to sign his second deal, it's a new era with the Nets and he's the face of it. But like, I do think he's going to learn a lot from these guys and hopefully we're looking at him as somebody who really pops somewhere down the line. Yeah. I mean, his contract essentially runs until almost the end of the uh, KD extension. So I would assume he'd be here for the rest of the big three. I think for Cam Thomas, there's more potential for him to play sooner than people anticipated just because he looks so great in summer league, obviously take summer league with a grain of salt, but his scoring bag is full. For me, the question mark for him is how well is his defense? You know, can he play that in NBA level? He doesn't have to be elite. He just has to be solid. Yeah, I think he did grow an inch this offseason as well. He went from like 6'4 to 6'5. Looked, you know, a little bulkier in summer league. I thought he played okay defense at points. And then it's like, how can he fit into a system? You know, playing at LSU, it was so much Cam Thomas do this, Cam Thomas do this, because mm -hmm. he didn't have good teammates. So it was really dependent on him scoring the basketball and not playing off other guys. If he can learn to play off other guys early on and play, you know, competent defense at an NBA level, he could be seeing minutes, maybe not as much this year, but I could see year two where him really taking a step forward, especially if the Nets were to lose some of these guys because they're not going to have salary cap to go out and get them. And, you know, I hate to say it, but I wouldn't rule out the possibility of him being traded, you know, as a sweetener at the deadline of they're looking to make an upgrade. They have a trade exception, you know, could com um, combine a couple of these contracts too and maybe add just a, a more playoff ready player at this point in time. But I think Cam Thomas does have some really nice potential and just kind of screams six man of the year type, but there is a potential for him to even get higher than that. In my opinion. Yeah. He's I'm excited for him with that said, who starts for the Nets this year? What's the lineup? Um, you know, we funny enough on the Brooklyn buzz, we just dropped a lineups episode where we explored pretty much every single lineup. If I had a guess opening night, it's probably going to be Kyrie, James Harden, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin. Would not surprise me if LaMarcus Aldridge got the nod as well. 
And there is a small possibility where maybe they could go Claxton and Blake, but I think they're going to likely go with Joe Harris. And then there's potential for Bruce Brown. I mean, the, I guess really the only guys that I can lock in here are Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. I think there's going to be training camp competition between Bruce Brown and Joe Harris. Obviously, their skill sets are extremely different, but they're both kind of fighting for those minutes. And then at the center spot, it depends if the Nets want to go big or if they want to go more of their own scheme and kind of more of their own dictation, which would be Blake Griffin, just because of what he can provide a little bit more offensively out on the perimeter. But also, LaMarcus Aldridge shot really well from three for the Nets in 14 games last year. Do you foresee Durant playing a lot of four this year guarding force is my real question um I think it really depends on the matchup I think ideally the Nets would like to get him more time off the four just ease on that body so that's why I wouldn't be super surprised if they went with like a Claxon Blake because Clax like I mentioned before has the ability to defend you know really one through five but I think he really excels at three and four like his body type you know it's not too big for him his length is really good at the contesting those shots so it could be a situation where you know, him and Katie are kind of switching up depending on what, you know, is on the other team, but also the Nets switch a ton. So you don't necessarily always end up on who you're starting the game with. All right. Is there anything? Um, is there anything that you'd like to see from Nash? Um, I think with Nash, you know, just try to explore and be as creative as possible during the regular season and see work with all these combinations. Cause like I mentioned before, there's a lot more tools on this roster than last year. And now it's his second year. He has a better feel where yes, last year he was kind of learning on the job. There's no Mike D'Antoni there. There's no uh, made Udoka. So now it's like a little bit more pressure on him to be the head coach alone to an extent. Obviously they brought in some great, great names too. you know, um, Brian Keefe, um, the, the guy that was just the coach of the Orlando Magic. I can't believe I always forget his name. Oh, crap. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Jesus Christ. The Magic coach. Oh, man. Why am I drawing a blank on his name, too? Let me just pull it up here. Oh. Yeah, obviously. So him, too. He's going to be a coaching consultant. They brought in Kyle Korver as well. Jacques Vaughn's still in-house. So they have some other names there. Um Clifford. Steve Clifford. Yep. I don't know why I always forget his name. Obviously he's a very good coach too, especially provide some of that defensive impact. He's going to be a coaching consultant. So I think on Nash, it'll be kind of more so like, Hey, let's see what he can explore with this team. What type of lineup combinations will work out and like how crazy and creative can you get? And then I would say, you know, try to lessen the load of the star players. There were moments last year where they had to play big minutes. Some of that was because other guys were hurt, but you really want to cut their minute count down going to the postseason so they're as healthy as possible. All right, some quick hitters, and then I'm going to let you go. If Kevin Durant's shoe size was, what, three sizes smaller, the Nets probably – Maybe wouldn't... a size and a half even. I don't even think we have to go all that. Size and a half, he might be past the line. Oh, man. That yes, I think the Nets win the championship. If, if Kevin Durant hits that as a three, I think the Nets are probably winning it all because in hindsight, it's easier to say, but it looked like Kyrie Irving would likely have been ready for the end of that Hawk series. And there's also the potential of James Harden maybe feeling a little bit better after a couple of days of rest. And no disrespect to the Hawks, um, the Bucks are multiple tiers higher. And I think in terms of the Phoenix matchup, that's where I would be 100%. Kyrie would be back and the Nets just were probably the better team. Yeah. So right. um two teams you can't wait to play. Oh, that's a really good question. Um I can't wait to play the Bucks, which is going to be opening night. I want to see how the Nets respond after losing the series where it looked like, you know, they weren't going to sweep them or like 
completely uh, obliterate them, but they were up big in game two, up big in game one, you know, game three was really close and then they got all the injuries. So uh, probably the Bucks, And then just for the pure, this is maybe less of a Nets fan, more of an NBA fan, just like the Nets and Lakers. Like, let's see what it looks like. All the star power on the court. Like, do these teams really match up? Is there an obvious strength or weakness between the two of them? And like, how much bad blood is there too? Because obviously you got Westbrook and KD. And then just like both teams know, hey, we are trying to be the number one team. We're trying to be this all-time great team. And there's only one of us is going to win a championship. All right. And expectations for the Nets this season? Yeah, I think this is probably the easiest question you asked me. It's pretty much championship or bust. Like, that's it. You need to win a chip. Last year, things didn't break your way. And a lot of it was because of health. But it could be, you know, you need to make sure you're healthy this year and take care of business and win it all. Whatever it means, you know, if that means making a trade at the deadline and adding another player and trading away another first round pick. You do it because you're all in on this era right now to make sure you get this championship, the first Brooklyn Nets championship. Ooh, that, that, that sounds nice. <laughs> the first Brooklyn Nets championship. Win in New York and be a, an immortal legend forever. Yeah, especially think, um, you know, this is off topic, but I think it would be a big thing for obviously Kevin Durant's career and the way people look at him and what he's done and getting a championship away from Golden State on a team where it's his team. And then also James Harden winning his first chip. You know, Kyrie would just kind of add to the resume, kind of being, you know, I don't want to say a sidekick, but one of the co-stars for this team comparison to like I was with LeBron. So I think for all of them, it'd be pretty big. And also there's just been a lot of negativity surrounding the Nets, even before they added Harden, just like, oh, can Kyrie and Katie do it? Is James Harden a playoff player? Even the pressure on Steve Nash. So I think it'd be really great. And I think as we get progress towards a season or maybe we're already seeing it now the nets are viewed as somewhat villains by a lot of these opposing teams and fans just because of all the former stars and current stars they have yeah Kyrie's a sidekick I'm actually writing an article for the playgrounder called Kyrie is Nightwing where I just compare yeah. their lives and there's and a I mean similarity. it's it's okay to be a sidekick especially when you're one of the best like I mean as a complimentary score where you're just asked to just straight score the basketball the Nets you know obviously his defense has improved at times and I think as a passer he's not bad but his main role is scoring and he did it as the highest rate you could do it last year 50 40 90 season yeah that guy's amazing like yeah. as far as basketball geniuses the nets have three of them yep especially offensively all right where can they find your work plug your pods give them the whole nick Fay life yeah i mean you can find my work um at otg basketball you can find the brooklyn buzz on all streaming platforms you can find me at twitter uh nick underscore Fay underscore that's about it. I mean, this year I'm really going to dive deeper into Brooklyn Nets coverage, you know, occasionally hop on some NBA pods and stuff like that. But if you're looking for Nets content, definitely check out the Brooklyn buzz. My co-host and I, Jack Manuel record after every game, but we also record for any type of topic. We'll probably be dropping one on Kyrie within the next couple of days. Nick, I appreciate your time and I appreciate your expertise. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the show's law podcast. And like that we out.